for the reading of the scripture, which is found on page 1747, Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. Hear the word of God. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that men are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. This is the word of God for the people of God. You may be seated. So Paul wrote this letter to the Romans. If we read in Acts chapter 20, we read that he wanted to go to Rome and then on to Spain. He was on, we believe it's probably his third missionary mission, and he was in Corinth at the time, around 56 57, 58 AD, we're we're not real clear on the date, but most scholars agree that it was written probably in Corinth in preparation of going to Rome. But if we read in the book of Acts, we hear that he's being warned not to go to Jerusalem. It was Jerusalem first, then he was going to go over to Rome and then on to Spain. But he's being warned because people were trying to kill him. So he thought, if I don't get there, I need to write a letter. And maybe it was, I need to write a letter in preparation of my coming, and then I'll tell him about it. Now, for whatever reason he wrote it, what he wrote has become one of the most important books of the Bible to understand righteousness and God. In fact, Paul wrote 153 times the word God. 153 times in this letter. That's like once every 46 words, he uses the word God. More than any other. And so far ahead, the next two, and I may not get the numbers exactly right, but I think it's in the 70s somewhere, are the law and Christ. So you see almost or over twice as many times he used the word God in this letter. This is a letter about God how we deal with God, how God deals with us. It's a very important book in the Bible, and one that I've probably done more sermons on from the book of Romans than any other book in the Bible, and it's one that I read quite often because it's just so important to understand who God is. So in what we read this morning is a very small part. He's kind of setting the standard. He's saying, look, you have no excuse to not believe in God. Now, here's some very interesting facts to go along with that. Science, scientists, sociologists, psychologists, I'm not sure which ones have done this study. They take children, 
two to three, maybe four years old, they put them in a room together and, and watch them interact. If you have kids close to that age or have had kids, if you ever watched, you may have seen this. I saw this with my own kids. If they're playing with some kind of a toy, maybe a Shopkins, <laughs> they're playing with some kind of a toy, if one of the children tries to take it from the other one, what do you think is going to happen? There's going to be a fight. Okay? But at the same time, if one child is sitting there and doesn't have a toy at all, and another child has a couple toys, eventually that one with all the toys will give one to the child without a toy. So two things are seen here. In children, three years old, four years old, we see the sinful nature of human beings stealing, fighting, and we see the generosity of human beings giving to someone who doesn't have. Who taught them that at that age? God. Just as a, any animal has instincts, we have instincts that God has put into us. We have a desire to know God. We have a desire to seek him out. And as Paul says in Romans chapter 2, that when we, without the law, do things that are according to the law, we know that the law is written on our hearts, just as God said it would be in the book of Jeremiah, that I will write my law on their hearts, so that we know instinctively, without excuse, that we're acting on behalf of God when we do good, and we're acting on behalf of the sinful nature that is in us when we do bad. It's that simple. So now that we've set that stage, let's set one more stage. I think we can all agree that God is real. I don't think there's anybody in here that doesn't believe in the existence of God. I, don't, I mean, if you are, that's great, but keep listening. We'll, we'll try to convince you. And we know that God is righteous, holy, without sin. Basically, if God says it, it's true. If God wants it, it will come to pass, and we can't do anything about it. We have to obey what he says. We don't have to, but we can't change what he says. Can we all agree to that? I think so. I think so. We know we put God in his, righteous, in his right place as the righteous one of heaven, the one who created all things. That's the third thing I want to say. We know that he created everything. In 1936 or 37, a man named Hubble, Hubble Telescope was named after, he discovered that there was a galaxy that was expanding, which proved that the universe was growing. Prior to him, Einstein said, I just don't know if the universe is really growing. He, when he's developing his theory of relativity, he just wasn't sure. Hubble calls in Einstein and says, hey, look, this galaxy's growing. Einstein says, okay, well, then that just proves one thing, that the universe has a beginning, and it's been expanding. Now, by the 1970s, that theory became known as the Big Bang Theory, where suddenly in history, who knows how long ago, just this Big Bang, and all of a sudden the universe grew and started growing. I don't remember who said it, but somebody said, from nothing comes nothing. Think about that. If you have nothing, 
You can't get anything from it. So if there was nothing, how did something come out of it just randomly? It's not possible. I mean, we are very limited in our human understanding, but that's not possible. So, in a sense, the Big Bang Theory proves Genesis 1-1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. It's that simple, okay? So, we know that God is righteous and holy. We know that he created everything. We know that we have a sinful nature within us. Now let's talk about what Paul said. He says the wrath of God is being poured out upon everyone who is unrighteous. Now, who wants to hear about the wrath of God? Not me. Probably none of you. But we have to first understand what the wrath of God is. The wrath of God is righteous. How can you say that the wrath of God is righteous? Because when we think about who he is and how wonderful and perfect he is, and all that he has created, and he called it good, for anything to be against that, that that says you have every right to have your wrath come against anything that is against him. Right? So, in a sense, it is righteous. Now, we often think of the wrath of God like we do in human terms. If someone came to me and said, give me your wallet, the first thing I would say was, you're not going to get anything out of it, (laughs) okay? The second thing I would do is probably hand him my wallet. But would I be angry? Yes. Would any of you be angry? Yes. If someone came up and just kicked your legs out from underneath you, would you be angry? Yes. Would you have wrath against them? Probably, maybe, I don't know. That's not God's wrath. God's wrath is not saying, I'm so mad at you for being a sinner. That's not what it is. God's wrath is, I can't in my existence have what you're doing. It goes against who I am. So that's why it's being poured out, because we're going against who God is. When we sin, when we kick the legs out from underneath that person or try to take someone's wallet, it's going against the nature of God. So God is not making a list and checking it twice and saying, you did this wrong, you did this wrong, you did this wrong. He's not doing that. In fact, if we go to 2 Peter 3.8, this is what it says. But do not let this fact escape your notice, beloved, that the, with the Lord, one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like one day. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not willing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. God wants us all to come to repentance. He doesn't want any of us to perish. But because of the nature that is within us, we will. But not by his will. Logan McGinnis sent me a video last week, maybe the week before, Billy Graham. I said, oh, I've got to use that. Billy Graham said, hell was not created for mankind. Hell was created for Satan and and his demons. We are not going to hell because of the will of God. 
anyone that goes to hell, it's their own choice. It's their own choice. Because God has made it clear to us, and we know that from the studies of the little children, that we know the difference between right and wrong. We know who he is, and we know that we can accept him. So when we don't accept him, or we re- better yet, when we reject him, that's, I, I misspoke there, not that we don't want to accept him, is when we reject him, we're rejecting his righteousness, and there's no other excuse for us other than the wrath of God. But it's not his intention. So, what about the people who have never heard the name Jesus Christ? What about the people in the rainforest who never had a chance to read the Bible? I think Paul was pretty clear that no one has an excuse. Those people, they see their surroundings. They know instinctively that someone created them. They didn't create them. They know in their hearts that they can see that there's a creator. Now, if they take what they see and they turn it into an image of a bird or a snake or any other kind of animal, then they are going against what God said. But if they take what they see and they say, you know, I don't know who created this, but I believe that he did. Ooh, that's faith. That's faith. And if we keep reading this book of Romans and we get to chapter 10, it tells us that if you believe in your heart, that's faith, and you call upon the name of the Lord, you will be saved. If we keep reading and we get to the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, verse 8 and 9 says, For it is by faith you are saved through grace, and this not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. So we don't have to produce this faith on our own. It's given to us. It's given to us. Just like a cat always lands on its feet, we are given faith. Now, what we do with that is our choice. Do we believe or do we reject it? Do we create an image of a bird and say, this is my God? Or do we say, I don't know who you are. I've never seen you, but I believe you. And I think that's what probably all of us in here do. We've never seen God, but we believe. We believe because that faith was put into us. And when we believe, we get to go to heaven. Now, I am a human being just like all of you. I know I've been through this struggle, and I know all of you have sometime have been through the struggle, or maybe you're going through it right now. But what about, and you start listening to things you've done wrong. That's not, that's not talked about in what we read this morning. Basically, Paul's saying, when you believe because God has given you the ability to believe, and you accept that and you don't reject that, all those things you did wrong, they don't count. They're gone, washed away by the blood of the Lamb. They are gone. They don't count against you. No longer are you appointed unto wrath, but you are given salvation through Jesus Christ. All I have to do is believe. Yes. How do you believe? It's already given to you 
the ability to believe is called faith, which is already a gift given to us by God. No one in here has to understand the final moments of, of Jesus. No one has to understand the three years that he walked in his ministry. No one has to understand what he was doing when he was 12 years old in the temple. If you do, that's great. That builds up your faith. But if you never understand that, if you never hear it, if you never believe it because you've never been taught it, but you believe that there's someone greater than you that wants to take you and redeem you, that's all you've got to believe. Everything else builds you up, but that's the bottom line. It is the simplest thing in the world that you will ever do is to believe that Jesus died on the cross for you. Okay, let's go back to the people in the Amazon or to the Native American Indians or to the people who lived in Kamchatka a thousand years ago. What if they never heard the name Jesus Christ? Faith is given to us. We choose to accept it or reject it. Now, that would bring up another interesting question. Well, the Jews have faith. Muslims have faith. But they have heard the gospel and rejected it for their own creation. If you've never heard the gospel, you can't reject it. I don't know how God does it, but I know what Paul says, both in Romans chapter 1 and chapter 2 and 3, and all the way through his letter, he speaks of the righteousness that, of God that is given to us through our faith, and somehow God works it. So if you're ever asked that question, what about those people? The first thing I would ask is, why are you asking that question? Are you trying to deflect something from your own beliefs, or are you seriously concerned about those people? It's a legitimate question, not one that we should run away from, unless someone is trying to trap you for their own creation that they've created in their own mind. A lot of people do that. I was questioned 23 years ago by a person in my family about Native American Indians. At the time, I really didn't know what to say. I don't remember what I said. But I do know that that person was deflecting because that person did not want to believe in God. That person wanted to believe in a creation of her own being. And then she stays that way and dies that way. I won't see her in heaven. And that tears me up because she's a family member. But if she someday realizes that I had this own creation and really this, this God does exist and he, his son was not just a man that was talked about. She believes Jesus walked the earth. Unless she accepts what he did, I'll never see her in heaven. That sounds harsh. Who wants to serve a God that would just send someone away like that? Remember what I said, what Billy Graham said. God doesn't reject you. You choose to be rejected. John chapter 3, verse 16, For God so loved the world, he gave his only Son, so whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Well, let's read the rest of John chapter 3, after verse 16. 
I read it. I I tried to quote it last week, but this time I'm going to read it. For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but so that the world might be saved through him. The one who believes in him is not judged. The one who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the one and only Son. So if you don't believe, you've already been judged because you've rejected what you have been taught. So to finalize this and put it in a nice, neat little package for us, when we go through this life, we know we have faith in us. We know that God is real. We know that he created everything. And if he created everything, man, he can sure take care of our problems, can he? Our daily problems. We talked last week about healing, that God wants us to be well. He's already given us healing. He gives us everything we need. It's now our choice to choose whether we seek him out every day of our lives, or if we just say, I got this. Watch, I got this. That is pride, and pride goes before the fall. Seek him out. He will not let you down. You got financial problems? God will take care of it. You got health problems? God will take care of it. You got relationship problems? God will take care of it. You got thought problems? God will take care of it. And I know someone's saying, he doesn't always. Take it up with God. Ask him why he's not. What's holding him, holding you back? What's holding him back? What's going on? Work with God. The, a relationship with God is something that is often hard to understand, but once you get it and it starts to grow, just like the universe, it has a beginning and it grows. And look how big the universe is now. Just think how big your relationship with God can be if you keep working at it every day. He'll make a difference in your life because that's what he wants. He doesn't want anybody perishing. He wants to be with us all. I think we're all good on the not rejecting him. Now let's all work on the getting to know him more. Part of how we'll do that is by reading the Bible. If you're still on the fence whether or not to do this plan, just try it. If you don't succeed, okay, We'll do it again. If you're scared, don't be. We'll talk about that next week. Give it a try. Give it a try. It will change your life. I guarantee. I promise it will change your life if you read the Bible. So, we have learned today that we have no excuse for not believing in God because it was given to us. Faith was given to us. We have learned that God does not send us to hell. We choose, by our own doing, to reject what he has taught us. And we've also learned that even though someone has never heard the gospel, still has no excuse, and God works with them, and he's fair to them in his way. I don't know what way that is. But most of all, let's learn that when we work on our relationship with God, we are going to soar. We're going to excel. We're going to still have problems, but they're going to be so much easier to take care of.
so much easier to deal with. It will change your mind. It will change your heart. It will change your life, and people around you will see it, and they'll want to be part of that change too. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the amazing gift of faith given to us through your grace. We don't deserve it. We didn't earn it. But still, you give it to us, and we thank you for this. Your love is amazing, and we love you. Be with us each and every day as we go forward, helping us grow in our relationship with you. Let us not hide behind any excuses, but seek you out in all that we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.